It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk basketball? Who wants to talk March Madness? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host, John Riley. We welcome you from our studios in San Diego, up and down the West Coast. Monday bonus podcast, Hacksaw's Headlines. John, only topic on the table, March Madness. Where San Diego State is going, where college basketball is going, what has happened to college basketball, and the fans' reaction around the nation. What a weekend. You know, I, I am still stunned that the, <laughs> the Aztecs made the Final Four. It's like a dream. Uh, but, wow, what a great weekend, a lot of great games. Um, I'm looking forward to getting into this. Before we start, and we do have some quick topics on the table, and like the games played, we're going to be taking a a lot of shots and making them count and moving it quickly. Uh, tell people about subscribing. Tell people about Fans Forum if they'd like to interact with us on basketball today. All right, yeah. If you want to talk basketball, you got a hot take about the Aztecs. Want a question for Hacksaw? Just type it in in the fan, you know, in the uh, live chat on Facebook or YouTube. We'll get you involved in the Fans Forum segment at the conclusion of the Hacksaw's headlines. And then, yeah, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. And reminder. Go to my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. It's all written. Check it daily. You will really like it. If you're an Aztec fan, if you're a sports fan, we cover all the topics on the table. And by the way, when you sample our bonus podcast and all the other things we do on YouTube, give us a thumbs up so everybody (laughs) knows uh, that you like what we're doing. John, let's start with the big picture. The term is March Madness. Mm -hmm. The headline in the Louisville Colonel Jur- uh, Courier Journal on Sunday morning was, you wanted madness? You got madness. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was. Uh, this is the first time since 1970 when they actually started seeding teams in the tournament. First time since 1970. There's no number one, number two, number three in the tournament. They're all gone. And, of course, the top four number one seeds all got dispatched. Why has this happened to college basketball? Well, I had the theory I presented a couple of weeks ago, John. I think you bought into it. Everybody's got three-point shooters. A lot of teams are getting guys coming through the front door via the transfer portal. I think the arrival of a huge selection of players from Europe and some great big men who've come through Africa to get to schools has made a huge difference. Uh, Big question, refs, call all the fouls or let them play and let them bang. I think that's a piece of this conversation today. But I think March Madness has drastically changed. And just look, this coming weekend, who's going to be watching games on TV like you and me? No Gonzaga. Drew Timmy, I thought, got nailed with a couple of ticky-tack fouls, which changed the whole chemistry of the Gonzaga game that wound up being a really bad, ugly loss to Connecticut. No UCLA, they ran out of players more than anything else. Never was North Carolina. Duke got dispatched very early, which to me was a surprise because the Devils under John Shire are playing really, really well at the end of the season through the ACC tournament. Uh, the other ones that are gone, Arizona. Backcourt play really hurt them. It hurt their two bigs that couldn't do the whole thing uh, by themselves. 
Obviously, Alabama got dispatched. They didn't like being mistreated, being muscled, being mugged. Should have been misdemeanor assault against San Diego State. <laughs> yeah. Alabama couldn't cope, and which stuns me considering they're in a Southeastern Conference and that's big boy basketball. Big boy basketball, Tennessee stomps one team. Next weekend gets nailed by who? Florida A&M? Who? <laughs> so, I mean, the Blue Bloods are like you and me. They're watching the games on TV. So your reaction to the fact there's no number one seeds, there's no number two seeds, all the third seeds are gone, and mm-hmm. we got, who's that in the final four? I think it's great. I mean, because I think this is what makes March so special. We have a lot of these mid-majors that make these runs, you know, and a lot of other blue bloods like Kentucky is not there. All those big East powerhouses of days long ago of like Georgetown and St. John's. I know Villanova's had a good run lately. They weren't there in the final four. Um, and then even some of the upstart teams like this year, like Arkansas, which I thought had a lot of potential to do well, they didn't make it. I love the fact that there's all these new names. Now, the question is, is will the nation embrace it? Will the TV ratings still be there to see, you know, San Diego State and Florida Atlantic? So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this all breaks down. But this is what makes the tournament great. Is the building going to be sold out? Because there is no Houston and there is no Texas. And the stories right now on the websites are that the ticket prices for the Final Four have plunged. Ah. You can take that $100 bill out of your wallet, go out on the street corner, and on the second level, you can buy a ticket now for $100 for the final four games. Think about that. Wow. These were tickets that were selling seven and 800 dropped to 400 and now with Texas out, with Houston out, and all the other names that never got there, all of a sudden, tickets are really available. I don't know if the TV ratings will hold up. This, this is not sexy, San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, who? That's not sexy. So that's going to be interesting. But history will write that the Cinderella's who got here are kind of like Virginia Commonwealth, and they're kind of like Florida Gulf Coast University. It's kind of like George Mason. It's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for those schools and these kids to walk down the hallway. So Mm -hmm. that's where we are, the big picture of March Madness, as we go towards Houston and what's going to happen come Saturday in the two semifinal games, what's going to happen on Monday, championship night. Okay, you got topics you want to talk about specifically? What just happened in this city, which is elected? the city, turn this town upside down. Yeah. Everybody's a basketball fan, at least for the next 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's it, there's an electricity in San Diego similar to when the Chargers went to the Super Bowl back in 1995. And the Padres went to the World Series yeah. back in the day. It's that same kind of vibe, and it makes it so exciting the way sports brings people together. But you've got to look at what this program was in the 1990s to where they are now. I mean, this is it's like a dream. Those guys came here 24 years ago. Those guys, the legendary Steve Fisher, who should be in the College Basketball Hall of Fame, and the current head coach, Brian Dutcher, whose record is now 149 and 46. They came here 24 years ago. When I first came here, Aztec basketball was played in dingy and dark Peterson Gym. Then it was played at the sports arena where there were empty seats everywhere and nobody really came nor paid attention nor cared. Then they built Viejas and it took them time to fix it. Steve Fisher came in, looked at a team that had gone 4-22 and and said, whoa, had to change the culture. 
went 5 and 23 his first year went 0 and 14 in the conference think about that and we're not talking that the Mountain West or the WAC was a power conference at that point in time but he slowly built it and he built it didn't open very many doors in terms of high school recruits but he built it with some transfers the first big transfer he got was Tony Bland from Syracuse University mm-hmm. who came from a, a really good program he was an LA kid he knew Fisher from when Fisher tried to recruit him. So he landed. He was the first one. And slowly but surely, they'd get a Division One transfer every year. And then they started to open some doors, not so much in San Diego. I mean, the, the early group of Aztec recruits in San Diego were probably marginal players. Joe McNall, a 6'9 center, was here for a couple of years. Tony Clark played here before he became a pro baseball player, and then he got hurt. But they started to make advances first in the Inland Empire. They started to recruit up in Riverside. And then they kind of spilled over. And because of Tony Bland's arrival, they started to knock on doors and get some kids to look at them from Los Angeles. And it got better and better and better. And then they started to get bigger names. And Steve Fisher took JUCO recruits and he took some D1 transfers who'd come and sit a year. And slowly it built. Steve Fisher retires. Here comes Brian Dutcher. Brian Dutcher does the exact same thing. Now, they are starting to get some four- and five-star recruits that come in the front door. Haven't been able to get really anybody from San Diego to look at them seriously yet. Now, maybe that changes things. But they've continued the pipeline from the Inland Empire. They've done stuff in Los Angeles. They've, they've got contacts. They've started to do things out of Oakland. And... Now they're getting Division One transfers from all over the country. You know, Jaden Ledea is the latest one. He came from Ohio State and then TCU. Mm-hmm. So now they're starting to get a compilation of really talent. And I think that the best quote of all time as it relates to anybody at San Diego State, whether it's coaching basketball or coaching Aztec football, is coach them up. Because mm-hmm. you get them, you mold them, and you make them really good players, and you have really good teams. So what San Diego State has done is probably a once-in-a-lifetime thing. You know, they've got they've got seven seniors, graduate students, or COVID-eligible players on the roster. They all vacate after next Monday night. So there will be a rebuild. There will be a change. So this is a one-time opportunity for this program to sell the nation as to who they are, and they've done it. But you go back to Steve Fisher, 5-22 and 22, his first year and 0-14 in the conference. That was then. Look at where we are now. Wow. Wow. I mean, I remember back in the 90s that there was um, a lot of people here locally that were not happy with Steve Fisher being hired because of what happened in Michigan. And a lot of people said, you know, he was just made the scapegoat. But still, some people, you know, were holier than thou and didn't want him. But they were considering Jerry Tarkanian for that job back then, too. But look how it turned out and look how this thing has been built. And, you know, it just seems like we just keep taking steps up, up every every uh, five years. It moves up a notch. It keeps ratcheting up. And they've done it the right way with all of really good kids, really good recruits. You don't hear any controversies, anything crazy coming out of this program. And now they're at the final four. They're on the big stage. They're going to be now a recruiting hotbed. This is going to, I don't think this is a once in a lifetime. I think we're just getting started here. Well, it's, it's quite a mix of players they have on the roster. And we're going to talk specifically about certain groupings of players and their responsibility and what they've accomplished, et cetera. But you just look at what these two coaches have accomplished 
accomplished and what they've laid in place in the foundation that now exists at San Diego State. And maybe this becomes the catalyst for the Pac-12 to really look at San Diego State and says, yes, UCLA basketball is leaving, UCLA football is gone, Southern Cal is exiting, but maybe Aztec basketball replaces the UCLA Bruins in terms of notoriety around the nation. So maybe this is the jumping off point to go to the new conference. Uh, what, what the program has accomplished is just amazing. And I love the chant, you know, those drunken fraternity guys at San Diego <laughs> State, they came up with a chant, I believe, I believe we, I believe we will win. And then the building erupts and goes crazy. Mm-hmm. It's just a, just a unique environment. And the fans with the signs and the costumes and the outfits and the big heads. Yeah. And I just saw a picture of me yeah. with, with one of the members of the show holding a big head. It wound up on Twitter. <laughs> I <just> couldn't <laughs> – I had not it's seen great. that in a long period of time. So the environment and the atmosphere is just absolutely spectacular. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so fun to go to the games. I, like when Steve Fisher came here, I adopted the Aztecs as my team because I went to UCSD. And when I was there in the 80s, they were D3. And then in the 90s, they were D2. But so I've I've been like really invested in this team. I've gone to like usually three or four games a year. I watched every game religiously on television. And so to see this program build is really, really special. And I think now the we're kind of gotten beyond now the regular sports fans where, you know, kind of crossing over into the general public. It's a thing to do, place to be. It is, you know, and you go in the grocery store and everyone's talking Aztecs, wearing Aztec gear. I mean, this is special. It's bringing San Diego, San Diego together. Um, and, you know, we've had so many decades of misery in this town. This is a time for us to celebrate. As I like to say, and I sat one game, I got invited to sit in the end zone seats with the show just mm-hmm. to experience it. This oh, is when I was working at CW6. <laughs> we brought a camera crew and we interviewed the, the student body. Those fraternity guys got a lot of spare time on their hands. And when they have a few Heinekens, they get really creative with the signs <laughs> and the costumes. It's, I mean, it is just so cool. And I always thought the Cameron crazies at Duke and at Wake Forest, I thought that was the epitome of student body support. These guys have gone over that wall. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a great environment. And I mean, the one part of it is I always love the pregame leading up to the mm-hmm. opening tip because that's when they do the I Believe chant. That's when they do the pregame introductions, you know, with the lights and the, and the show. Um, it's it's such a great environment at Viejas Arena. And it's great to see where this program has come from. But I think this is an example of, you know, you've talked about how facilities define your program, define your city. This is an example of build it and they will come. And back then... Then it was Cox Arena, and that really started this whole thing. Spectacular. Let's talk about the guys that have triggered this unbelievable 31-win season. And I want to talk about role players, and I want to talk about overachievers. That's a good word that you picked. Let's talk about uh, A.G. Orope. Let's talk about Nathan Mensa. People don't know the adversity that these guys have come through to get to this point to where they're going to be uh, next Saturday in the game against Florida Atlantic and then maybe on Monday against Connecticut. AG has had nothing but injuries ever since he came from Omaha. He's had three different surgeries, thought about giving up the game. Body could not handle the pounding, could not handle the practice regimen, etc. Brian Dutcher of the opinion, 
We want, want you to be part of the team, be an assistant coach. You feel okay, we'll let you practice. If you feel okay, we'll play you as a role guy, first guy off the bench. And what he's done in five and a half years is amazing. The other factor is a graduate student. He's going to get his master's degree in under a year on top of everything else that young man does wow. as it relates to basketball and therapy and rehab and going to class. He's going to get his master's. Spectacular. And the same storyline, I really think, has to go to Nathan Mensah. I mean, he is huge. He's a student of the game. He's unbelievably intelligent. He's from Ghana, left that country and came here with a, quote, an adopted family, became an Aztec, elected to stay, bypassed the chance to go explore playing in Europe or try to go to the NBA draft. He's going to get his master's degree. He's in a two-year program. He's going to get his master's in June in one calendar year. Wow. Think about that. And... He's the one that went through the scary episode with the blood clot issue mm-hmm. in the lung. He he did not know if he could walk across the street at one point as a student body to go to a class, much less go through the rigors of practice and playing in games and playing at altitude. Luckily, with sports medicine, they were able to treat it. They were able to control it. Two really unique student Athletes, And I use that term student athletes because many times we can't use that term as it relates to these guys who are playing games in front yeah. of us during the college season. Uh, overachievers, yeah, probably. Uh, but or, I will say this about a rope. He changes the chemistry of the game. He comes oh, in and time. things happen. Mm-hmm. Bodies on the floor, <laughs> elbows, personal fouls, rebounds, tip shots, hook shots, jump shots. And the same thing with Mensa. And you look at what Nathan did the start of the second half in the game against Creighton when they were losing. Block shot, field goal, critical rebound. Mm-hmm. Chemistry of the game changes. Late in the game, he made three big plays in the final 90 seconds. And by the way, when the Aztecs were starting to rally in the middle of the second half, who triggered it? A rope. Into the lane, into the paint, hook shot over the 7-1 center, hit two of them, and then had another one down on the low block against their other big guy. I mean, their contributions, not 40 minutes of basketball, but their spurts of 8 to 10 minutes changed the chemistry of the game. Uh, I think it's a, it's a primary reason why the Aztecs are going to play this coming Saturday in the Final Four, those two guys. Might be overachievers, but boy, are they contributors. Yeah, they're terrific. I mean, terrific young men. I mean, this is all part of the culture, right? You know, yes. the Dutcher is building. I mean, you know, this is the exact opposite of Kentucky with one and done. These are guys that you know, are are not only graduating, they're getting master's degrees. In one year. In one year, through all the practice and all the travel and everything else that's going on. It's just remarkable. But every time I see, especially these two young men, you know, a rope and Mensa, just fabulous. And and the whole story about, you know, AG coming to America and now he has his citizenship here in the United States. I mean, these guys I mean, I know AG's not going to continue playing basketball. Nathan Mensah will continue playing somewhere. Hopefully he can play at the highest possible level. I don't know if that's the NBA, but wherever, whatever happens, these two guys are going to be really quality human beings as they move into their, into their, uh, you know, twenties and thirties and beyond. You know, we love the history of Aztec basketball. And if you go back way back, 
you know, maybe the first great modern-day Aztec player was Michael Cage. Went on to a nice mm-hmm. career in the ABA and NBA as a 6'9 guy. Yeah. Played under Smokey Gaines, who was here and did a good job for a short period of time. And then we fast-forwarded to where we got to the Steve Fisher regime, and we had Jamal Franklin. A good player. Now, did not make it in the NBA, but has gone about, has played in Europe for the last decade or so. And then obviously that, that transitioned us to Kawhi Leonard's superstar. Nobody, I don't think, could have ever expected Kawhi Leonard to be the complete basketball player he's turned out to be. He was a great defender. He had size. He had length at the defensive end. But he became a great shooter. When I first saw him in San Antonio standing out there drilling threes. I said, where did this come from? Because we never saw that at Cox Arena Bay House. Uh, and then obviously we fast forwarded now to Malachi Flynn, who's in a second year with the Toronto Raptors. But we have had now spectacular individual players, good kids, really do something with their career. So I'm looking forward to them. Let's go to the next topic on the table because we've got more names to talk about. Yeah, and, and Jaden Ledee just had a – is still having a great run through this tournament. I mean, we can't speak enough about him. That's big boy. That's big boy basketball. And he is 6'9", that plays like he's 6'11", and he's explosive, and he's got an outside shot, and he's crafty around the net, and he's tough as nails in terms of contact. He's got an NBA body. Uh, I would hope he'd come back because he'll be the cornerstone if he plays one more year. And he found himself. This was a kid that was highly recruited, wound up at Ohio State, didn't fit, went to TCU, okay. That's not a basketball school. Comes to the Aztecs, red shirts a year. He's got one more year to go. I hope he stays. But that's that's a big-time basketball player. And, you know, when you talk about the history of, of Pac-12 teams, stud guys, mm-hmm. big bodies, whether they wore UCLA colors or they played at Arizona or they played up at Oregon, that's the type of kid that San Diego State has and needs to continue to recruit. So I would hope he will stay here and play one more season. And he does change the chemistry of games, part-time starter, part-time guy off the bench. But you know, th- you know things for sure. When he's in the game, bodies are going to fall, and he's going to go to the hoop, and he's going to shoot it in, knock it in, slam it in, bank it in. He's a really good player. And a really good student. I mean, he's like close to a 4.0 kind of student. So this is another great character guy, great culture guy for San Diego State. But it's interesting, you know, you're talking about the big body and, you know, the the announcers throughout the tournament talking about the Aztecs D and their toughness and strength. Um, I saw an interview today. It was Jay Bylas on the Dan Patrick show. And he was talking about how the the college game has changed a lot where defense has become so important where the NBA, they've kind of changed. The rules are a little bit different with how they call fouls and the like. Uh, But it's interesting how college basketball is shifting the way the game is played and it's playing right into the strategy and philosophy that the Fisher and Dutcher have built here. And yeah, Jaden Ledee is the perfect fit for that persona. And what a great young man as well. What's my favorite phrase? No place for the timid? Yes. Body bag basketball? That's it. Oh, barbed wire (laughs) basketball? Uh, It's the epitome of, of the personality of this basketball team. Let's talk about the backcourt. This is interesting because these guys have to play well come Saturday and if if there is to be a Monday. Yeah, and, and you know, these guys have been hot and cold. So um, D- Darian Trammell has, 
I mean, he was like the player of the of the region. I think yeah. you know for the for the NCAA tournament. These young men, I think, have a chance to do something really special in the Final Four. They need points. They need buckets from these guys. Uh, Bradley has had a really good career at Cal. He's had a good two years at San Diego State. My only concern is, I think, when coaches look at video, I think they've figured him out. If you watch during these tournament games and his scoring has been really spotty, they're defending him differently. Now, maybe maybe it's because when you're playing the national power teams, they got the athletes that can defend him. In the Mount West Conference, he eats guards alive. Mm-hmm. But they... They defend him to take him out of the left-handed dribble, which sets up so many things for him. Left-handed dribble, pullback jumper. Left-handed dribble, penetrate, drive. Left-handed dribble, dump off. He's not getting to do that. They're putting the, forcing the ball in his right hand a lot more, which is why I think his scoring is down. But he's rugged. I mean, you talk about courage. I'm going down on the block with this ball, and I'm going to put it off the glass, or I'm going to shoot it, and I don't care if I get bodied. I mean, he's a, he's a big physical specimen, but he's not scoring consistently. Trammell's been up. Trammell's been down. It's kind of like the stock market. But I'll tell you that of all the guards that we've seen recently at San Diego State, and they've been great ones. I mean, a legendary scorer, scorer Xavier Thames, what DJ Gay was, etc. The one thing about him that's so different, he is so good rubbing off picks, driving, pulling, and shooting. And his mechanics are perfect. There's none of this reaching and throwing it up from different angles. He is square to the basket, and he's explosive in terms of getting up, and he gets the ball off. His mechanics while moving, have been really rock solid. You know, and this this kid ate up the Western Athletic Conference when he was at Seattle University. Now, this is a step up on another level. But tell you what, what he did getting in the paint in the game against Creighton, what he did rubbing off pick and rolls and pulling and shooting the jumper, uh, this guy's a stroker. This guy's a really good player. He comes back next year. Yeah, it, it's it's great seeing these two guys play. Um, you know, consider the fact that, you know, Bradley was at Cal and was a superstar, but the team didn't win. And Trammell, the same sort of thing in Seattle. Now they wanted to come to a program where they could win. They wanted to come to a program that could go into the NCAA tournament. And now it's playing out just the way they want it. But let's go back to Trammell on that final play of the game in Creighton. What's your take on that? Was that a foul? Well, there's a lot of screeching right now about you let them beat on each other. I mean, it was like assault, the whole bloody game. Why would you call something so, quote, ticky-tack at the end of the game? It's still really debatable. However, John, if you look closely, a side view, as Trammell goes to the basket, he beats the guard into the paint. You watch closely down by the bottom of his jersey. That guard grabbed the jersey, and you see the jersey pull. Mm -hmm. So he actually did impact the angle of the body, which impacted then the shot. Was it was it a heart foul? Heck no. Was it flagrant? No, not at all. But there was contact, and he did yank. You could you can see his hand and the jersey pull. So it was a foul. Trammell had to hit the two. He hit one. That was all they needed to get it. But it, it does beg the question, if the ref's going to let them create this mayhem for 59 minutes and physical game. Every game the Aztecs been in has been like a rock fight. If you let that go for 59 minutes, 
Why would you call something, quote, ticky-tack? That's my spin, yours. Yeah, it was a foul. It, and, and, you know, I'm a, you know, roll the clock back about 30 seconds earlier on that play-in when Seiko passed in the ball and it turned into the quick two to tie the game the other way. You know, Micah Parrish was getting hooked on that as mm-hmm. well. That was a foul that wasn't called. So, you know, you can break it down a lot of different ways. In my opinion, they made the right call. But I'll tell you what, this has been fodder for all the sports media all across <laughs> the nation to talk about this. You know, was it a foul? Wasn't it a foul? You know, and then the clock controversy at the end. And then a lot of people saying, well, did San Diego State really win? And is San Diego State really getting the respect that they deserve? Well, they're not getting the respect uh, nationally although something has happened in the aftermath of the win at Alabama that we're going to talk about. I will say this. You might be a basketball purist. If you watch closely the Aztecs defense, there's a lot of junk that goes on. There's a lot of clutching, grabbing, poking, (laughs) holding, legs that seem to lean to block people as they're running pick and rolls. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff that goes on that the refs are letting him go on. And and my own gut feeling, Brian Dutcher teaches these kids not only how to play defense, foot movement, arm length, and all that, but he teaches them intricate things. John, if you think you're running that pick and roll through my guy, I don't think so. Uh, We're going to block him. And geez, my elbow goes out and clips you on the way and knocks you off as you try to run pick and roll. Too bad for you. If I don't get called, too bad for you. So I, I think there's a lot of intangible things. If you really watch closely, you will see that. It's a dirty basketball. No, it's not no, intent to hurt anybody. But it's just getting the edge to break up somebody's play yeah. and their rhythm and their momentum, etc. So uh, they teach it. They teach that defense well. And they bust through screens and they bust up pick and rolls and they got hands on your face. You think you're shooting a three against <laughs> me. Go ahead, John. Yeah. You see the basket? Uh, yeah. I, it's just unbelievable. The science of playing defense. The book written by Steve Fisher handed on to Brian Dutcher. Just absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, coach them up, right? I mean, that's what they're doing and teaching them the intricacies of how this defense works. That's why they say it takes a while for these new guys to learn the defense. And that's why I think they keep getting better as the season progresses. And now they're in the tournament and they're still better, aren't they? I mean, the defense is better now than I think what we saw in the regular season in the Mountain West Conference, you know, arguably against a lot lesser teams. So I I love following it. And like, yeah, the intricacies I see, like when the players are guarding their chest, they're using the chest and not the hands. Body bang. Yeah. And so there are these little things like this. They're teaching them rather than slapping down to poke up, you know, to get after the ball. And those things make a difference. Um, so you got to tip a hat to Dave Velasquez and all of those assistant coaches there because they're doing great work. Okay, before we get to the next topic on the table, let's just remind everybody about Fans Forum and about subscribing to our podcast, our Monday bonus podcast, uh, and then obviously what we do most every Thursday. Sure. So, um, yeah, so if you want to get involved in the Fans Forum, we already got a couple of questions and comments. Just type them in in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube. We'll get you in at the conclusion of Hacksaw's Headlines in our Fans Forum segment. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts on all the audio only platforms, as well as on YouTube. And you can also follow Hacksaw on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. I mean, we're pretty much everywhere these days with a lot of great video content. And when you watch any of our stuff on our podcast, make sure you give us a thumbs up because we really appreciate that. And if you like sports, go to my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com on the Internet. It's all written. You'll really like it. 
Okay, let's move on because now there's off-the-court stuff I want to address. Okay, and I think you hinted a little bit about this to me over the weekend. Let's, let's get into this story. So San Diego State punches Alabama in the mouth. They harassed Brandon Miller, their 6'9 All-American forward, maybe the player of the year. They really played rugged against the, their seven-footer. Kind of took him out of the game. Uh, the bench bunch did a tremendous job just coming in wave after wave after wave against Alabama. After the game was over and San Diego State had taken the Crimson Tide ranked number one out, USA Today wrote a column that just appeared today. The column critiqued Alabama for the whole Brandon Miller gun situation that resulted in a murder, a death, and a capital murder charge. It criticized the leadership. Greg Byrne, the athletic director, criticized Coach Oates for not doing something to show a sign that Brandon Miller had to have some responsibility in this. He drove the car that had the gun. He gave it to Darius Miles. Miles gave it to a friend. The friend is the one that fired the shot. Miles and the friend are facing capital murder charges. USA Today wrote a column saying, thank you, SDSU. The column also said San Diego State should now be America's team. <laughs> they Great. dispatched the ilk of college basketball, the Alabama Crimson Tide. And they said the way this thing was handled by that AD and that head coach, they have no conscience. They have no integrity. It was a moral failing. How could anybody root for Alabama basketball with the way they acted? And they credited San Diego State for doing the country a favor by knocking these guys out of the NCAA tournament. And that didn't happen on the basketball floor. This, this is not somebody saying something in the press conference. This is the media taking a public stance at Alabama. We don't care about Nick Saban and tied football. Alabama's basketball mishandled this. So San Diego State can get in all types of credits nationwide. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking all so long about how the program gets no respect nationally for the athletic achievements but maybe they're going to they're going to be remembered here for taking out the bad guy, you know, in terms of, you know, cleansing our palate of Alabama from the NCAA tournament. That's an interesting angle with this. Uh, but, you know, the, the Aztecs are getting love in the media. They're, you know, in, in The New York Times. There's a lot of attention to this program because a lot of people are saying, who, you know, who are these guys? We've known for a long time. But again, it goes back to Dutcher. And Fisher, all these guys, tremendous character individuals. And you compare that to what happened in Alabama, it's yin and yang. And in terms of national recognition, you only get it when you do this. You're Mm -hmm. playing Final Four weekend. It's great that you have 28 win seasons and 30 win seasons and all that. But if you're one and done in the tournament, big deal. Well, these guys, the Aztecs, are now national players. You know, and the other angle to the conversation, John, is now that the national media is writing about Cinderella, they're talking about Florida Atlantic, and rightfully so, who are these guys? Mm -hmm. San Diego State is now written as if they belong. They Mm -hmm. have arrived. They've taken the next step forward because now they've won these four games in March Madness so far. So step forward, Good on them. Okay, next topic here. Okay, so let's let's take a look at you know the competition in the Final Four. I mean, the Aztecs have got you know a two big games ahead of them. Aztecs have the Warriors, no doubt about that. Florida Atlantic is a unique mixture. I looked at their roster today and I said, 
how have they won 30-plus games? They have a center, one forward, and seven guards. Hmm. It's, it's absolutely amazing. They have a 7-1 center from Russia. His name is Vladislav Golan. Hmm. Uh, kid averages double figures. But he's not hes not the force that Ryan Kalkenner was at Creighton. Mm-hmm. He's he's tall and he's thin and he's got hands and he's a little bit athletic. But he's not a dominant, not an aircraft carrier type guy. But they got guards that shoot it. And they play all nine of their guys. Unlike Creighton, which all five starters average 33 minutes a game. But Florida Atlantic has got the big guy. They have one post player comes off the bench. I think they're seven one six seven. The rest of them are six five and all six three guards. And they run and they shoot and they just go up and down the floor. Uh, you know, we we talk glowingly about College of Charleston, Furman, and to a degree what Creighton had accomplished. These guys have accomplished this, and nobody knows them. They play in a gym. The seat's 2,900. Not via Harris Arena. 2,900. Wow. And they've only been doing this at this level for about two and a half years in Conference uh, USA. Incredible. Yeah, it is incredible. So, But there's so many good basketball players around the country. You get guys who come to play for you. And it's, and it's a really young basketball team. It's not loaded with 60-year COVID guys <laughs> or transfer portal guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got one guy, Michael Forrest, is a, a 6'1" extra year guard who transferred in. The rest of them are just their freshmen and sophomores. Now, maybe they're going to wake up and say, oh, my God, where are we? We're in the Final Four. Holy cow, look at the size of San Diego State. We're going to get knocked down. Um, but they've accomplished it. They belong there. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to look at this because from a San Diego State perspective, like, oh, my God, we're in the Final Four. You would think that the next one in line would be like Kansas or, you know, one of these big programs. It turns out it's FAU. But, you know, these guys have had a great run, a great season. And if they're run and gun kind of players, you know, it makes you think about that Florida Gulf Coast team that took the Aztecs out about six, seven years ago. So, um but, you know, Dutcher's got a whole week to prepare. And so I, I, I have confidence that they're going to be in a great position to win. Fascinating comment. They're going to run the basketball. They're going to shoot a lot of threes. This is who we are. We're going to co- control Temple. Oh, no, you're not. You're playing San Diego State. You're going to get mugged. You're going to get muscled. You're going to get body checked. You're going to get knocked down. Good luck to you. Because ask College of Charleston. Ask Furman, what happened to them mm-hmm. and their style, and we're dictating tempo? No, I don't think so. So, San Diego State's got a whole week to look at these guys. Uh, I felt really bad at the end of the Florida Atlantic game against Kansas State. And this has not gotten a lot of publicity, and it should, as they were shaking hands at the end of the game. And it was a really great game between two teams that played fire wagon basketball. The Kansas State players refused to shake the hands of the seven-foot-one Russian center. Really? Yeah, I thought that was really, really tacky. They walked right by uh, Golden, and that's a good kid. That's a young kid. He's got nothing to do with what's going on in Russia and in Ukraine. The K-State coach, an hour after the game, went in to the locker room, and he saluted their players, mm-hmm. and he apologized for what his kids did in reaction uh, to the seven-one Florida Atlantic Center. The story has not gotten an awful lot of legs, which kind of surprises me. But uh, so great, 
great tournament. Let's talk about the other team that we really got to talk about here. Let's talk about UConn. Well, yeah, the, all the you know the the East Coast media love their UConn, right? And so this is the team they're all talking about, and they they look really dominant through a lot of these games. It makes you wonder if the Aztecs can get by FAU. I'd love to see how they play against UConn. UConn is big. UConn is huge. UConn's got firepower. UConn's got Dan Hurley. That's a really good coach from the Hurley family, basketball famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really got that thing rolling. And and he's got the big uh, center, the 6'10", 7-foot center, is very, very active. And he's got shooters. The Hawkins kid can stroke it. And they're not afraid to come down on a fast break, pull up and nail a three. And they nail a lot of threes. And they're not afraid to go into half court and dump it in on the post to Sonoga and have him dump it out or have him turn and wheel and go to the basket. He's averaging 10 points, 10 rebounds a game, which isn't, it's it's not sexy, but what it is is blue collar and just brute force strength. So UConn is a really good program and they're leading the resurrection, the rebirth of of Big East Conference basketball. And, of course, Lady Huskies uh, has been spectacular for decades Mm -hmm. in women's basketball. So uh, UConn is really good. They're going to play an upstart Miami team, uh, which really rocked everybody by taking out Texas. But Miami's got guys who run and they gun. But I don't know that Miami's got the size that really can uh, go against uh, the Huskies' big center. And the Huskies just got guys who just stroke it and have no fear. It's coming. We're going to shoot it. If it goes in, great. If it doesn't go in, we'll get them next trip down. Yeah, I mean, it's just a very impressive program because they've won multiple national championships in the last couple of decades with different coaches. You know, so this is the third coach to take him to the Final Four. Um, now, again, I looking ahead a little bit, counting my chickens. But if the Aztecs can get by FAU, you know, and maybe face UConn in the final, I mean, we talked about how the Aztecs avenged their loss to Creighton. There's still some karma here with that Kemba Walker flop in 2011 that you know got uh, Jamal Franklin that, and they went on to win the national championship. Wouldn't that be just a storybook finish for the Aztecs if they could beat UConn in the final? Oh my gosh! I'm glad you don't hold grudges at all. Just <laughs> quoting Kemba Walker, Jamal Franklin, technical fouls, and all that razzmatazz. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, it's a really, really good program. Okay, those are the hot topics on the table. Uh, I just want to give you advance warning. This coming Thursday, Hacksaw's Headlines podcast. If you like baseball, you better be with us because we're going to pick them, pal. <laughs> John and I are going to walk through the divisions team by team, what we like, what we think is a problem point, who's going to win each of the divisional races. I'll be in studio. John will be doing his portion of the show from out in left field. Uh, But you want to be with us if you love Padre baseball, if you love baseball, our baseball preview is this coming Thursday. John, time for Fans Forum. Who's got questions? Because we got answers. Holy cow, look at all those people stacked up. They're all stacked up. This is from Michael Cedillos, and he says, it was an intentional foul. So I think we're going back to, you know, the Darian Trammell foul. He held him. He held him. And that was a ticky-tack. He didn't hurt him. He didn't knock him down. It looked like he got beat on the play, and he brushed him. But as he brushed him, you just watch the replay. If you can get it in slow motion, you will see Trammell's, the side of his jersey, gets pulled. Mm -hmm. That's a foul. Now, was it ticky-tack compared to the 
on-court violence we saw for 55 minutes. No, it was it was not that nature of a foul. But most everybody, I think, all the analysts of the opinion, yeah, that was a foul. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a foul. You hate to have to call a foul at that moment in the game, but it was the right call. Um, now, you know, we, we I was really worried because the la- last year when they lost to Creighton, they had that nine-point lead with two minutes left, and they went to overtime and then lost it in OT. And that's what happened in the Arkansas game in Maui, and I didn't want that to happen again. And, and so the fact that they were able to, you know, and when Darion missed that first free throw, it's like, oh, my God. So thank goodness he hit that second. And then, you know, it got goofy there in the last 1.4 seconds, but uh, it was a foul. Okay, next question. We all agree on that. Okay, so uh, this is from uh, Steve Zach Botsford. He said, San Diego State has been playing great. Who's the most impactful player so far in the tournament for the Aztecs? I think it's, it's a collection. You know, we're always looking for heroes. Well, one night, it's A.G. Rope. And what he does coming off the bench, it changes the chemistry of the game. The Creighton game. They would not have been there had it not been for Nathan Mensah raising his hand and doing what he did in about a five-minute window at the start of the second half, the trigger the comeback, and what he did in the final 90 seconds. But heroes could be Seiko. Adam Adam could go five for five shooting from threes. There's not been a lot of consistency there. Um, you know, Jaden Ledee puts his hand up. He goes in and he gives them 12 minutes of big boy basketball when they desperately needed it. They have so many guys who contribute. It's just, to me, it's it's not a team of stars. But collectively, they are better than any of them can be individually. And that that's quite a, a, a tribute to the coaching staff to be able to coach each of these guys up, build their strengths, so that when you go to a guy... There's not a drop-off in productivity. There might be something different that that guy presents coming off the bench. But it's nine deep, and it's nine really good role players. Well, it's kind of like their defense. You know, They're so well-coached that the five guys act like a swarm. And they, and they know what their role is, and they know how to play off the other four teammates. So they know how to shut down just about every possible play that the offense is bringing them. Uh, but, yeah, this team, it's like— Every night it's someone different, you know, and we you know, we kind of were up and down with them a little bit in the regular season. They were kind of streaky shooters. But when Darion Trammell was cold then Adam Seiko hits like seven three point shots in a game. And when, you know, Nathan Mensa might not be having much offense, it's Jaden Ledee. But even Mensa in the Creighton game, he was hitting jump shots from the elbow. So every one of these guys, great. And. You know, this was commented in one of the press conferences, I think, where, you know, they have nine guys, but they rotate them. Nobody gets like really more than 30 minutes, but there are no egos. It's not like the guy when he gets benched, he has to get stroked by the coaches and kind of, you know, massage his ego. Everyone understands that when they come out, someone else is going in and it's for the team, the team to win. And again, that's Fisher, right? The team, the team, the team. So, uh it's just fabulous how this is all working out. So, I mean, this is awesome. I, th- I think the bottom line is that when they recruit you, they tell you, you can't come here unless you can play defense. Oh, yeah. And defense is a selfless part of the game. It's me versus you, body banging, hands, mm-hmm. and all the intricate things that they do to disrupt you with the ball. 
that's selfless. That's you do it because it's part of the job. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of kid that they recruit. And they, I'm sure they could get every type of transfer in the world to come in here. But if you don't want to play defense, John, you'll be wearing somebody else's colors. And then we're going to body bag you. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, these guys take pride in their defense. I mean, that's what Micah Parrish did in Oakland. That's what Darion Trammell did in Seattle. These guys were defensive stars. Um, and they kind of wear it as a badge of honor. And I think that's just so fabulous. So let's move on here. We got another comment here from Tracy Wells. And she says, the whole team are heroes. Yep. The whole team. You know, it even seems like even the guys that don't play on the bench, you know, like Miles Bird, I mean, they're there emotionally with the team. It's it's really a, a, a family that they've built. Yeah. they And collectively, like I say, I think collectively as a team, they're better than any of them individually. And I just think the group is what has allowed them to get 31 wins this season, and they got two more games to play. Just amazing. Next question. Okay, so uh, let's let's move on to some of the um, the YouTube comments because we got some really good ones here. And uh, this is uh, from GOA69 um, talking about since the San Diego State Aztecs will will bring proper combat <laughs> to the Al- Alabama Crimson Tide. You know, this was on the preview show that we did before the Friday win at Alabama. Yeah, low tide. Low tide has arrived in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> uh, red tide. Uh, San Diego State mugged them. And I, I think John and I both agree, Southeastern Conference is a place for warriors. That that's, that's really good basketball. That's really physical basketball. And I just thought as the game wore on, Alabama, John, they wanted nothing to do with mortal combat. And Brandon Miller just got taken out of the game. And this is a 6'9", gifted athlete, runs the floor, wide variety of shots, pretty good passer. And they just kept banging him. And his just game went away. He was 3-for-21. Player mm-hmm. of the year, 3-for-21 shooting the basketball. And Bama, 11% from the three-point line. Think about that. You don't see those kind of statistics Ever. Yeah, not ever. And you think about the SEC, you think of football and the big tough guys that they've got, you know, on the offensive and defensive line. And here it is now the Aztecs out toughing the SEC. I mean, you got to love that line. Yeah, very much so. Think about the statistics. San Diego State, John, has now played four games in postseason. The opponents in these tournament games, this is the best, the best of the best in college basketball. The opponents collectively are shooting. against San Diego State in the four tournament games. Incredible. From the arc, where everybody's got strokers now, everybody can shoot the three. Opponents, 18% from the three-point line when you look at SDSU and a guy wearing red and black coming at you. This this just didn't happen in one game. They've done it every game they've played in the four here in March Madness, just like they do it for virtually the entire season of the Mountain West Conference. Unbelievable. They're holding them to season-low points. I mean, this is just amazing. Here's another comment from the YouTube uh, from Will Brazi. He says, go Aztecs, great win, miss you, Hacksaw. Well, we're here, Monday <laughs> bonus coverage, Thursday regular, and then, of course, you can sample what I write every day of the week. Uh, yeah, it's really a cool time to do sports talk in the, in the venue that we do it now here. Yeah, so let's move on here. We got another comment. And this is about the whole San Diego State no respect. And Ricardo Olivo just says, respect. That was his only comment on YouTube. Have the Aztecs earned it? Do you think they're they're legit on the national stage? Ricardo O, just think about this. The first weekend of the tournament, when they played Charleston, the guys on CBS, the panel. 
Here we are, pregame show, going to the opening throw-in, COC versus SDSU. Charles Barkley and those guys, all they talked about was Charleston. Not one sentence, not one mention. <laughs> and the Aztecs <laughs> choked them off. Mm-hmm. Then we get to the second game that first weekend, and they're playing Furman. Every one of those guys picked Furman. And they talked about Furman's threes and Furman's coach and their history of Furman and Frank Selvey in a 100-point game way back in the day at Furman. Nobody talks San Diego State. Now, after that game... Holy cow, you talk about the table getting flipped over and Charles Barkley mumbling and talking about San Diego State's level of defense and Kenny Smith and Clark Kellogg and Greg Gumbel. Now everybody's on the bandwagon. Now pay attention to what's going on here, guys. We I don't think anybody paid attention at San Diego State and the success they've had not just this year, but all the 30-win seasons, etc. So they have finally, they really finally, Ricardo, earned respect. Yeah, well, but still, even though they earned respect after getting to the Sweet 16, even though they earned respect after beating Alabama— when they go into the Creighton game, they were going around the you know the shoehorn there at CBS asking who you pick in Creighton or, or the Aztecs, and every one of them picked Creighton except Kenny the Jet Smith, and I think he picked San Diego State just to be different than the other three. So um, yeah, you know you, you get respect sort of, but then they kind of revert back. Hey, Creighton's a Big East team, you know that, that's a team we can count on, we can rely on. But man, the Aztecs just keep. Um, you know, they, they keep shutting down the doubters. They, they keep, you know, just telling people we have a winning program here. They, they didn't believe, but the Aztec players believed. Sir Charles had a great career at Auburn. If Auburn's team had to play San Diego State's defense this year, Sir Charles might be frustrated too. <laughs> yeah, he would. The Next round topic. mound of rebound. All right, let's move on here. We got uh, uh, from JL, and he says, who cares about respect when you can play the underdog? We'll earn respect if we go deep into the tourney and maybe we'll save the last dance. This is maybe a prediction. This comment was, was made a few days ago. 335 teams play Division One basketball. San Diego State is now one of the four that still will take three-point shots and play defense this coming weekend. Just think of that accomplishment. And I, I think back to all the years I've been here, and I've been in San Diego since 1987, and I jumped on board, and I, was, I did Aztec football and basketball for a group of years when they were on our station. And, you know, I just remember San Diego State basketball when it was hopeless. And I remember Dr. Fred Miller saying, we're going to fix this basketball program. He was the, the AD when I got here, and he had been at Arizona State when I was there doing the Sun Devils. And they tried really hard, and they just never made any progress. And, you know, they went through a litany of coaches, and they they tried it with Tony Fuller, who had done a nice job at Pepperdine, and that didn't work. And then they went and, and they, they got Fred Trenkel, a JUCO coach from Idaho, brought these players in. And the last we saw, he was crying at the press conference where he got fired after 4-22 and season. He was blaming us in the media for the failures <laughs> of the program. And then, they, and then they stole Jim Brandenburg from Wyoming. And mm-hmm. I thought, this is a really good hire good track record. He came here and retired while he was on the job. And that, that was a messy year or two. And he was gone. And then, then here comes Fisher and here comes uh, Dutcher. And look at where we are now. So they've gone from the dark, dirty, empty, dank Peterson Gym to the empty San Diego Sports Arena to where they are playing on the national stage. It is so cool to see what this program has become. And now they've laid a foundation. They just got to continue to 
go get more bricks and continue to build it once this this group of seven takes the uniform off for the final time next Monday. Yeah, they're going to reload. I have confidence in the future, but right now... They're in the final four. I mean, can you believe that? In the final four, I mean, this program was was a disaster in the 1990s. It was 353 teams in D1. They were probably number 353. And now they're in the final four. I mean, this is incredible. I mean, unbelievable. Listen, we hope you've enjoyed our bonus podcast on a Monday as we go towards March Madness. Program reminder, if you like baseball, be with us on Thursday. Our Major League Baseball preview Thursday is opening day. We'll have our podcast at 3 o'clock Thursday afternoon. We'll break down each of the division. We'll talk about all the teams. John will be broadcasting from left field. I'll be here (laughs) in the studio. John, have yourself a great sports week. We'll see you come Thursday as we get ready to yell, play ball, go Aztecs this coming weekend. Thanks again for joining us on Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.